Hey there, you're listening to a new episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. I'm walking outside on a Monday morning in very chilly weather. I've heard that we're going to get rain later today, so I just want to get out and record this before the bad weather starts. I'm walking through the shopping, the local shopping center, smell the smell of mandarins and oranges. It's a time where people want to load up on vitamins to stay healthy. And so far, so good. I have to say that uh, after that little adventure that I had a couple of weeks ago with the kidneys, everything is, uh, is fine again. And I've, I'm still recovering from a busy weekend, three masses, um, and a lot of writing. So I've been uh, working on the script for a TV episode that I have to deliver on Tuesday afternoon. Not sure if I'm going to make it. Maybe I need an extra day. I have always a little bit of leeway for Wednesday, but it usually is my day off, and I I would like to have a day off. <laughs> time time flies, and life has been super busy. And of course, we're heading full speed towards Christmas. Um, so I'd rather finish everything on Tuesday. But that all depends on how I will uh, if if I will be efficient today or not try to cross the road here head into the neighborhood they created an entire new shopping mall here on my right a German shopping mall Aldi there are already two supermarkets here I, wa- I don't know how to make their money where they get the customers from anyway uh, so the the thing is I as, as I've explained before I've been to Ireland on vacation with uh, uh, my three fellow priests and initially I didn't really want to work because vacation right but then i had just received this new cool asus zenfone 6 mobile phone with really great cameras and i always try to travel light so i i i thought well hey i can still film just using my mobile phone it's it's really good and that's what i did first few days i filmed just the touristy stuff you know the places that we visited and churches that we went in and then I'm thinking, well, hey, this is actually... When is the next time that I'm going to be in Ireland? Why wouldn't I just film a little bit more and try to turn that into a television television episode and into a documentary for my international followers? And so I started to vlog. Or actually, I did a little bit more effort to make it look more cinematic. And uh, I did record a lot of commentary in English on camera. I'm thinking, well, hey... I've, I've just read this, uh, this booklet or I've just heard this guide. Let me summarize everything in front of the camera so that, because later on I'll probably forget half of this. So that's what I did. I also took photos that I posted on Instagram and I made sure to tag every photo with the location where I was at that time, which is super handy right now because I go through all this footage and I'm like, oh, where was that? Just go to Instagram. Oh, it's... Uh, I don't know, Ballinamore, or it's a, Sligo, this is a town of Sligo. So it really helps me for research right now. Um, and so I come home with a lot of footage. Um, most of it is just me climbing mountains, a lot of hiking material, but also uh, lot of, lots of uh, uh, footage that shows historical sites, very ancient historical sites, prehistoric uh, sites, and uh, also... Um, some locations where uh, St. Patrick has been, where he baptized people, churches, monasteries. Even filmed a little bit on su- during Sunday Mass, where we uh, 
visited a local parish. And, um, but none of that was filmed, of course, with the intent of telling a story right away. Uh, most of it was just, I'll just film whatever I can get. And sometimes I really had to put some effort into, you know, getting my friends interested in even, you know, leaving the cottage. Because they're all hardworking priests. And there were days that they just wanted to sit at home and read a book. Where I was like, well, but that's another day where I can film. Why don't you come with me? So there are some days that I just went hiking with uh, my father Harry. And the other two stayed home. So I come home with all this material... Uh, a lot of it looks really good, but there is no story. And then I decided, well, hey, I, I'm going to do this for Dutch television as well. What is this noise? Oh, it's a generator. Lately, this neighborhood has been one of the noisiest places on the planet. Listen to that. Oh. I think they're... Oh, my goodness, there's water coming from the balcony there okay I have to walk around it I think they're uh, they're, they're cleaning the facade of this uh, apartment building or not the facade they're actually the floors of the apartment building with high pressure high pressurized water it's driving me insane all this noise because I work the office is where I used to live and the entire neighborhood is currently being renovated. So the entire day, I have noise surrounding me. It's just very uh, hard to, um, to ignore, especially if you have to record podcasts and uh, if you have to uh, do presentation, presentations for te television. So anyway, the, the, so the, these past three days, I've been sitting in my little hobbit writing corner at home, uh, writing this story researching the history of Ireland, the places that I visited, and it's, it's awesome. I love doing that, because I have the visuals already, I've been there, but then reading up on what actually happened there, in addition to what I've already learned on location, um, for me that was almost felt like a study weekend. Um, didn't feel like work at all. The, the trick that the, is to make that narrative interesting for my viewers and that is a lot harder than I thought because um, a story has a beginning a middle part and an end and there needs to happen something whereas most of the stuff that I filmed was information it's well here we're in this abbey and this happened there and then this and this happened and that's it but how do you connect that to all the other places where I've been the, the, the easiest way of course to take things chronologically and that's what I've opted to do so I start with these ancient prehistoric sites I talk a little bit about religi religious customs and, and rituals that um, the ancient uh, inhabitants of Ireland in this stone age in the iron age uh, the bronze age um, uh, shared with each other and then from there I kind of jump forward in time and I go to the arrival of uh, St. Patrick and the other monks and the development of monastic life and then to the reforms the the, um, uh, the schism with the Anglicans and then uh, Protestantism all the way to today's situation in Ireland 
And I've been writing, 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 writing. And, and while I was writing, I was like, this is going to be much more than one episode. This may be enough material for two episodes. And then I was like, but I don't actually really know how much material I did film, because this is all filmed with a cell phone. Um, and usually, when I film sh- clips, it's five, ten seconds every time. So is that going to be enough to cover two episodes worth of, of voiceover material? So what I did this morning is I imported all that stuff from my phone, and it's all filmed on a phone in 30 frames per second. This may become a little bit technical, but the, the standard norm for Dutch television and also most of Europe and, 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 and a, a lot of the rest of the world, it's all 25 frames per second. So it means 25 images per second. The norm in the United States is either 24 uh, images, so 24 frames per second. That would be an easy conversion, of course. That's kind of what they use in, in most movies, 24 frames per second. Or 30 frames per second. And sometimes even 60 frames per second. But that's like a duplicator, so that's also easy to convert. But what I filmed was in 30 frames per second. That's kind of the standard on most phones. And now I'm editing in 25 frames per second. So there are two options. Either you compress those 30 frames into 25 frames. And what the software then does is either it blends these frames together, which gives it a very mushy, blurry look, which I really hate, or it takes out some frames, which makes it much clearer, but also much choppier, especially if uh, you have moving people or moving, or you're moving yourself, you're moving the camera around. It, it has a certain choppy uh, aspect to it, which is also not very nice. So what I did was I told the software to look at those 30 frames per second as if it was 25 frames per second material. So it means that it slows down the footage a little bit, not much, from 30 to 25 frames. And if someone is talking, like I was talking a lot in English to the camera, then my voice becomes so much lower and slower. So that's not usable. (laughs) But a lot of the material is just landscapes, is me walking. And if you actually have these... Well, footage from a hike, for instance, if you slow it down from 30 to 25 frames per second, it gets a little bit of that fluid cinematic feel to it because it's not super slow motion. So mentally, it it, it still looks like it, it was filmed like that, but everything is just a tiny bit slower. So it also means that all the little, you know, movements that you make while filming handheld are also slowed down and mitigated. So I took all that material, slowed it down to 25 frames per second, and then imported it into the timeline and took a look. How much stuff do I actually have? Turns out I've got more than two hours of footage. It's so much material. And the question is, of course, um, I do have enough visual material for two episodes, but do I have a good narrative? And, and, And I'm really kind of doubting myself a little bit I'm thinking this was planned also in the lineup of all the episodes as a one part episode just one episode and that's it and even if the story is not that good 22 minutes there's so much variety in the images that's not going to be a problem 
However, if you spread it out over two episodes and it's voiceover only, is that still going to be interesting? Because it's a lot of information and not much story. Uh, unless, well, it's chronological uh, narration, but that is not really a compelling story. So would people actually want to watch two episodes of this? And that's what I've been racking my brain about for the past two days and even this morning. Like, can I make it more... In, can I turn this into more than just information and a kind of standard uh, documentary that you'd watch on, I don't know, the History Channel? How can I insert a story in it? Because I didn't film it as a story. And I think the only way to do it is by inserting more of my thoughts in it. Uh, it's one of the things that I learned from those reaction videos... Um, people enjoy watching someone else react to something. Um, for instance, a video game or a trailer. And at first I was always a little bit baffled by that. Why would you watch someone react to a trailer that you've already seen? And, and that you've already reacted to? What's the fun uh, of, of watching someone play a video game if you, could if you could play it yourself? Well, it's all in the reactions. It's all in this... I think the ability that we have to empathize with others... And then we're curious. We're like, how is this person going to react? And I think that, that may explain why the video that I uh, filmed uh, two weeks ago on St. Peter's Square, where I watched the trailer for episode nine, is so uh, successful. Or successful. I mean, it had uh, about 200,000 views. Um, it's because people are curious. There's this priest here in the Vatican. I mean, very, may very well be that they think that I'm working in the Vatican. And he's going to react to Star Wars. What, what's he going to do? Is he going to uh, uh, condemn it? Is he going to be um, completely... I don't know. Uh, people have this preconception of what priests are and how they react to pop culture. And, and then you kind of subvert that, react, that, that expectation and people see that I'm super excited about it. And so that, that makes them want to share this. Have you seen this priest? And he's like over the moon while watching this trailer and I'm thinking maybe that will work also if I put that that sort of content into the narrative of what I'm currently uh, compiling and, and reacting more maybe the more personal it is the better it will work I've, I did an episode about Lourdes where I went to Lourdes uh, I think it was in May or I, begin, I, thought, no, I think it was in the month of May and I went there to pray for my parents. Uh, because, of course, the situation with my father, who, by the way, uh, and I thank you for all of you that are uh, still inquiring about the health of my father and his condition. He's still in this uh, uh, care center. Um, he will probably have to move to another place where they can take care of him because physical therapy remains very difficult for him. So he's, they, he's, uh, they amputated half of his leg um, but the big problem is he is mentally um, not improving it's actually getting worse so uh, he is uh, suffering of uh, a lot of symptoms of dementia we don't know hasn't been diagnosed if this is Alzheimer or, or regular dementia like frontal lobe dementia something like that the fact is he is very incoherent and has difficulty understanding instructions I mean he, you can talk with him you can have a conversation it'll be very nice it's very cheerful uh, if you talk about things 
from the past, he he enjoys that, and then, then, then there doesn't seem to be much wrong with him. But as soon as you are talking about the here and now, or you give him instructions about what's going to happen, then he gets confused and has difficulty following. Um, so there is still a lot of worry about my father. And back then, in May, none of that had yet uh, shown itself, or the symptoms were not as bad as they are today. So I went to Lourdes, told that story of how I was praying for my parents, and interviewed a number of people that were in Lourdes from the generation of my parents, and that actually uh, witnessed or, or, and told me how much Lourdes had given them strength and hope. So that was a, an example of a very, very personal story that worked because it was a personal story. If it had just been Lourdes, I don't think it would have worked because a lot of Catholics my audience is mainly Catholic, are already familiar with Lourdes. So there's not much story there. And maybe if I can react to what I've learned in Ireland as a priest who often feels a bit like a missionary, because I think that that is what we have become here. And I never thought that would be the case when I was ordained uh, 25 years ago, almost 25 years ago. I still had this image of I'll just have my parish one parish <laughs> how naive I was one parish we got 15 churches now two parishes anyway and, I, and, and this is still the good part of the diocese there are colleagues of mine that have one priest 17 churches like there's this this neighboring village with a church Catholic pretty big Catholic population they have mass only four times per year just because the priest is running around and can't do everything by location should be part of the of the uh, <laughs> of what they teach us in seminary anyway um, how did I get to oh so I, the, the, the world in which I am a priest right now is, has changed so much culture has changed uh, the big majority of people don't believe in anything anymore and sometimes are even openly hostile towards organized religion. And in this situation, I have to be a missionary and I have to learn how to reach people and talk with them about faith if they're no longer familiar with the vocabulary that we used to use when explaining the faith. And in a way, St. Patrick and all these other saints and monks that lived in Ireland were tasked with the same impossible mission. They too had to figure out how to convert uh, all these nice people from Ireland but believed, worshipped multiple gods, um, had different rituals, some of which could be integrated and transformed, others could not be. And so they had this huge task of translating the faith into the language of the people and transforming the culture so it would fit the culture of the Catholic faith and its values. And I think that may be the interesting angle for my viewers. If I can insert that kind of commentary in, uh, in the narrative, then maybe that will be a reason for people to keep watching. It is what keeps me going when I go on a trip, when I'm on vacation... I always want to know things. I'm curious because I want to learn. And, and learning helps me understand. And sometimes you learn stuff that doesn't serve a purpose. 
I mean, how often have I been in museums and I'm reading up on all the information and I'm thinking, oh, whatever. <laughs> well, let's control alt, you know, control A, uh, delete. <laughs> I have no room on my hard drive for this kind of information. But you kind of always retain the information that helps you look at the world differently. It's like movies or TV shows. Which are the episodes or the movies that you remember? The ones that touched you, the ones that gave you insight or made you emotional, made you think about things that are stuff that is going on in your own life. So when you react to something, it means you're involved. And that's what I need to figure out how to how to how to generate with this two-part story. And hopefully that'll be enough. And, and another challenge is to make it different enough from the episodes that we filmed in Scotland, where it's kind of similar story-wise. It's also looking for how these monks lived and what we can learn from that. Um, so also there, I think my Ireland stuff is a little bit less focused and that in, in this situation is, a, is, a, is an advantage because I can talk a little bit more about music, about nature, about, you know, other, other stuff than just the monks and history. Um, but I don't know. And then I also have to kind of block out this constant voice in my head that says, oh, you can't do two episodes. They're never going to accept that. That's never going to be good enough. Um, you're going to spread it out over two episodes. It's going to be long-winded and nobody will want to watch it. And then I'm like, well, shut up. <laughs> Why? Do I doubt myself? I know my audience, and I know that I'm a, a good storyteller. And I also know that I have to give myself leeway and permission to learn how to tell these stories. It's not something you master, right? It's like podcasting. When I started podcasting, um, whoa, again, noise. What is it with noise in this neighborhood? Ay, 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 ay. When I started podcasting, I remember those early shows that I recorded in the Vatican or in Rome I scripted everything I wrote everything down and read it and it sounds terrible doesn't sound at all like me but by doing it for 10 years or longer now 14 years uh, there's another jubilee at the horizon hmm interesting well, anyway because I've been doing it for so long that's how you learn that's how you improve it's by getting feedbacks like right now my YouTube adventures I'm learning so much from the feedback from my viewers. What do they like? What do they want to see more? I can analyze the, the behavior of the people that watch it. So I, I've noticed that niche works better than general interest. So I'm super proud of the vlogs that I've filmed in Scotland. But compared to my Star Wars videos, it's not so popular. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's me. You know, I make a deliberate choice to just be me. And a lot of those vlogs have a long shelf life. That's the advantage. Star Wars, especially if it's news related, that comes and goes. Can be outdated very quickly. But I still have people that react to vlogs that I posted on YouTube five years ago. So um, I'm not too worried about that. But why wouldn't I give myself that same ability to, or that same room to grow 
when telling longer form stories. I already know, and I've shared that with you in previous episodes, that I'm getting more and more focused on what I truly want to do in the next couple of years, and that is focus on longer form documentaries, uh, travel stuff, and and stop doing all that little stuff that I've been filling my TV show with for many years, where it was just, you know... What can I film in one day? And that's not challenging anymore. I know how to do that. I know how to do an interview and film some extra material and compile that into an episode. But there's no challenge there. There's no, there's no joy there. Whereas working on an Ireland story like this, that gives me joy. And I learn and I study and I'm enjoying the process. It's, the show has my name on it. Why am I constantly worried to disappoint other people? If that's who I am, that's what they're going to get. So that's kind of the self-speak that I try to replace my own negative uh, self-talk with. And it's difficult because it's something new. And I'm, so I'm not sure that I can pull it off. And I'm not sure if I, that if I turn this Ireland material into two episodes, that it will be good enough. Maybe it is going to be a little bit boring and slow TV. But, but on the other hand, it's a challenge to make it compelling. I've done it once before with uh, some material that I filmed during a vacation in France. And that was way before I was making my own TV shows. It, I think it was like six-year or seven-year-old material. So it's prehistoric. And yet, with voiceover and a good story, it turned into a, an episode that I'm pretty proud of. And it worked because it was a very personal way of of retelling the story of that vacation in France where we kind of replaced uh, a priest in, in, the, in the area and went from church to church and helping out the parishes there. That, that was a good story. So I've already done it once. I have much more experience now. Why do I doubt myself that I can't do that? Anything. I think that's, that's kind of part of <laughs> the learning process as well, is having these doubts. And maybe I should just go for it. The, uh, the, the added advantage, if I turn this into two episodes instead of one, is that I can move one of the scheduled episodes to next year, which will create even more margin in, at the beginning of 2020. So I only see advantages. And there's just this little apprehension that uh, maybe people are going to be upset that I'm going to try that out and they may not be convinced that this is going to work. There's only one way to find out. It's by doing it <laughs> and then learning from the experience. Maybe it'll work. Maybe people will enjoy these longer form episodes where you can take more time to tell the story than if you have to cram it into just 22 minutes. And, and maybe it's a, a challenge. It's, a, it's going to be a learning process for me in the future. Like even if I... I'm not really really sure about how to tell the story. How can I film stuff that does involve people? And I think the more personal it is, the better it works. So that's what I wanted to share with you on this uh, cold Monday morning. Um, going uh, back to the office, quickly record the other podcast. And then I'm going to go back to writing and editing. And hopefully everything will be wrapped up. On Tuesday evening. Something tells me that that's not going to happen, but hey, you still got to hope. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, this was a bit more of a technical 
uh, episode. Um, but that's also part of who I am. And uh, I thank you so much for the privilege of your time. Um, if you support me on Patreon, thank you so much. Good things are coming soon. And if you want to support me, but you don't do that yet, check out patreon.com slash Father Roderick. I'll talk to you next week. And thanks again. God bless.